So an anticipated tournament is coming up, and one of the best players and the best teams are going to be there in, in this particular player's group. And instead of being intimidated like he's felt in the past, he's like, you know what, I'm going to try to rattle this player, and I'm going to try to play right there with him and kind of trash talk, if you will. So the tournament gets out there, and they're going along and playing, and he's trying everything he can do to rattle this player, and not in a... Uh, like a really bad way just kind of you know saying some things and um, you know competitive spirit we'll say so what he noticed though is, is, this, is he kept kind of chirping at this player a little bit and making like these comments and just trying to play the gamesmanship of it this player was like five under par after eight holes he's sitting there like this just is not working like what, what the heck is going on so he gets to ship the minute he's like, I'm just going to do the opposite. I'm not going to say a word. So he goes on a few holes and like as the player's kind of saying something, he just made a very conscious effort to be quiet, ignore it, um, and just stay in his own world, stay silent. So in a really interesting shift happened. This player started to bogey holes. And not only that, this particular player in this situation actually started to play quite a bit better so it like really reversed and the round went on and they actually tied and he was feeling really awesome about himself because this is such a like high level player and to play in that arena when he was getting really you know beat up on and to come back and end up tying in this situation it felt really good about that but there's one major major problem behind this whole thing he came off the course, and when the coaches were talking to him and were asking about the shift, he didn't know what happened. All is, all he knew was kind of the gamesmanship and that he just stopped talking trash. He just figured that, you know, I the talking and the chirping, the competitiveness I was trying to bring was hyping him up, but had no idea how it was actually playing a role into his own game and how that was affecting him. And that is what we're going to go over in this episode and to really shed some light on our new launching program that we're so excited about, Mental Golf Type, that's all coming up right now. Welcome to the Go Low Show, where it's about golf, grit, and your pursuit of greatness. My name is Kyle Alderink, and I am your co-host, along with my man, John Weir, mental game coach extraordinaire. And in this podcast, we're going to show you everything that you need to know about how to go low in your golf game. And we're excited to bring you that show right now. Expect anything different? Is it his time? Yes! Alright, it's time to go. Alright, John, so welcome back. It's great to be with you again. And you know, this week we're gonna talk about a very important topic, and it's really the difference in personalities and how everybody's a little bit unique, especially with the mental game. And for people that follow the podcast, follow our social media, you've seen us kind of hinting about what we're gonna get into today. And, you know, we kind of want to start with, you know, you know, I wanted to show you and we were talking a little bit about this article I sent in Golf Digest um, about this girl who won Q school. And she talks about, 
you know, some of the things that she was trying to do to get better and to improve and the strategies and the advice she was taking was literally putting it into her to a stress where she couldn't sleep. She couldn't eat. I mean, and that's a, that's a dark side of that and a deep side of that. But a lot of players are getting themselves into stress. And you hear us talk a lot about how stress is a performance killer. But so we wanted to get on. We wanted to talk about the importance of this and why like what we're going to share is so important. Because I know you actually have a really good story about something very similar, correct? Yeah, 100%. I mean, this is actually what sparked like seven years of research for me was this whole notion of stress and understanding the individual nuances of players and how to help them break free of these traps that they put in their mind. And the very first player that I put into the research in understanding the personality differences and the beginning point of mental golf type was a really great golfer. I mean, he missed the tour by two shots in the old system through Q School where you could play your way on. And he was uh, one of the best players at his SEC program. I mean, he won five times in the school's history, was a very dominant golfer. Um, And after missing the Q School, he went and did the mini tours. And he struggled. And because of some of the struggles, he went and worked with a, a famous psychologist, I won't mention any names, And whenever they went and talked, he said, you know, uh, what I hear from you is a lot of negative possibilities. So a lot of speculating about all these negative things that could happen. He's like, why don't you work on flipping this into a positive thing? Thinking about the positive things that could happen and positive things that could go right. And it was all this future-oriented thinking about speculating but turning it into a positive. And sound like great advice. Well, for this player, what ended up happening after this session and following that advice and trying to implement it was he made three cuts over 36 events over a course of three years. And when I started working with this player and talking with him, uh, his last event he had walked off the course and withdrew because his number was so bad and was ashamed to actually post the score. He was on the brink of quitting. And this was a great, great golfer. And so when we started going through and understanding more about his personality type, we realized that his least developed function, or what we call their stress mode, was actually focusing on future possibilities. And so because it was inferior by nature, it was negative. So it was all these negative doom and gloom speculation. And the advice of the psychologist to him about turning that into a positive, even though it was well-intended, actually was counterproductive because it kept him utilizing his least developed mental function. After we started making some changes in the way he was approaching the game and changing what his dominant perception was and started focusing on using a different part of his mind, he ended up making, uh, started making his first cut and he made that cut at the, t- at the spot where he walked off the year before. Uh, within the next few weeks, he ended up getting you know top 20 And then he had his first professional win within the first three months. And then from there, he continued on with his playing career and and had some really good results. But it was amazing to me there that this good advice for some actually was counterproductive for a great player and how powerful stress was. And he didn't even know he was stressed. We didn't even know until it was revealed uh, through our interviewing process and diving into this research. And with the shifts that were made in him, it really kind of sparked on uh, my curiosity and my wantingness to know 
more about the individual players and more about how they were wired and more about how we can wipe out this stress from from players games yeah it's it's pretty wild and you know the the trap is is that and this i believe this is on the mechanical side the mental side and everything in golf like something you know i've researched for years and years because i'm a curious person by nature but it's like everybody tries to get lumped into one they see something that works and is successful player or player and they're like i need to implement this with everybody whether it's a swing style whether it's a you know, a mental game coaching, a way to think. And, you know, players can get down a pretty dark road too when they get into what we call player envy and they see what other players are doing and they try to follow those those roads too. So, you know, something as simple as like lining the ball up or not lining the ball up, like that could be really good for some, really good for not. You know, when Jordan Spieth says aim small, miss small, well, that is actually a stressor for a lot of people. And there's a lot of people where we had to like, you know, get them out of that. And it's just interesting when you see these nuances and, and it's really cool when we test this out with like the focus band and see these differences in players. I think it's pretty powerful stuff. What's important to understand is the path to the zone is not a one size fits all phenomena. Okay. So what modern research has been showing us is the universal signs of what the brain or the physical organ between our ears is doing. And so again, universally, everybody's getting into an alpha rhythm when they're performing in the zone. And they have increased activity or beta waves whenever they're a little bit, have more activity going on in their mind. And then when they're stressed, there's the cortisol release. So every player is experiencing these things. But what I took my focus on was what is it about the individual that makes them experience this? And that's really what mental golf type is all about. What we've realized is, is that your personality dictates your behavior and your behaviors are going to dictate your performance. And so for you to perform your best, you really have to key in on what are your individual strengths and what are your indicators of stress. And now when I say stress, a lot of people associate that with being like really stressed out. But the reality of stress is most players don't even realize they're stressed because they're using inferior functions of their mind. And it might be so subtle or things they wouldn't even link to stress, but it's actually creating performance challenges. So the metaphor that we use when describing this is the boiled frog syndrome. Now, if you threw a frog into a boiling hot pot of water, it would immediately recognize the heat and jump out. And if this was how stress was, and it was like so hot that if you touched it, you go, wow, that's hot. It'd be easy to make corrections and shift it because it'd be very dramatic. But the way the frog gets boiled is the frog jumps into the pot of water and it's lukewarm. And slowly the temperature is rising and slowly it's rising. And because it's rising slowly or imperceptible, the frog ends up overheating and eventually boils. And this is really what you have to understand about stress in your golf game. So things like having a line on your ball, like you said, Kyle, that actually could increase the activity of a certain function of mind. And that may or may not be good for you. And if it's not good for you, it's creating stress or that cortisol release, which will inhibit your swing performance. And so with what mental golf type does is it helps players to identify which of the 16 different golf minds you have. And it's important to determine this because whatever your brain is wired, it's going to stay with you through your entire life. It's wired in a birth. These tendencies are built into your brain. And it's done because your brain's efficient. It doesn't want to have to put in work every day to rethink your personality or what your dominant preferences are. 
And it's the same thing we have in our body with our handedness or our dexterity. You were born right-handed or left-handed. One was picked to be dominant, the other inferior. But think about how much work it would take in your day if every task you went to do, you had a question, which is the better hand to use, right? It would take so much work and effort, and we really wouldn't get anything done. So we have one that's predetermined to be dominant. And our mind works like this with several different mental functions. So you have one of 16 different golf minds, and it's so important that you key in on it so that you know the best strategies for your specific hardwiring. So that going back to that research, that you can get into those alpha rhythms because you're relaxed, because you're doing things you're confident with. And we can avoid the things that are going to increase activity or create that cortisol or stress release. And by doing that, you can literally start turning your game more into a habit by knowing what to focus on. So the zone becomes much more achievable. Similar to the golf swing, when you know the right mechanics, you can now work it and groove it till it becomes automatic. Now that same thing is available in the mental game. Yeah, it's pretty cool. And it's, you know, it's interesting when you talk about like the dexterity. So like I, and again, part of my personality type, my type is, you know, I'm the type of person that kind of tinkers a little bit and likes new things. But, you know, so I practiced a lot left-handed when I was younger and got pretty good at it to the point where I could go around the course and shoot low 80s, you know, and no worries. But like you said, I mean, if you put me under pressure, under the gun, and I really even practiced as hard as I could left-handed and got to the point where I could shoot similar scores, if you put me under the gun, I'm still not going to perform as well because I would never really fully trust that left-handedness because of the power of me being right-handed. Does that make sense? It makes perfect sense. Now, it's important to realize that you really have two different types of behaviors. You have natural behaviors and you have behaviors that are learned. So obviously we have two hands, right? So I could learn to write with my left hand. And here's an activity for everybody they can do at home. Take out a sheet of paper and, and write out a couple sentences with your left hand. You know, like, I am a great golfer, I perform with confidence, and the bigger the moment, the better I play. Write out something like that and do it with your opposite hand. Notice how much effort it takes, how much concentration, how much focus, and obviously you can produce a result. But with all that increased activity and concentration and effort, the results are mediocre at best. Okay? Put it back into your dominant hand. Notice how effortless the mechanics are. It feels smooth, natural, easy. It requires little focus. You can get a lot more done that's cleaner and better results in a shorter period of time. This is the difference between your natural and your learned behaviors. So with mental golf type, our approach is to help you identify what you naturally do best, not what you learn to do, what you naturally do. And we key your mental game in around those types of strengths. Because you can obviously perform in stress, but again, just like the writing example, it feels hard. It's more work. It's more effort just to get mediocre results or get the ball around the course. Yet there are those days on the course when you're out there and it feels easy. Everything's flowing. It feels simple. Well, those are the days where inadvertently you are starting to use your natural strengths of mind more effectively. You are naturally using what your gifts and strengths are. And when I say strengths, most players, believe it or not, and most people don't know what their natural strengths are in life. They make the assumption that everybody does these things as well as they do. 
And so by learning that their strengths, you learn to appreciate it more. You learn to key in on it more. And by applying that on the course, you get better performance. And the reason you get better performance is your brain is relaxed and there's no cortisol release. If you're using the stress modes and you don't even know it, your brain is secreting cortisol, which locks up your motor cortex. So you're going to have maybe breakdowns in your swing or your coordination or your timing or synchronicity, or there might be too much tension and you're blocking the ball now. So we're always going to see something manifest in the swing because that's the body's response to what's going on in the mind. And so by learning your strengths and learning your stressors, we can key in on what your natural strengths are more. And that lets you get more out of your game. Well, and for everybody listening too, I mean, think about this and I can relate a hundred percent as a player. Like I always look back to, you know, my time as a competitor when I was younger, playing a ton in tournaments, junior tournaments, whatever. And there'd be days you go out there and feel exactly like what you're talking about. Like it was effortless and just operate around there. But I would come off and somebody would, you know, ask like, well, how did you do that? What was different? I couldn't answer. And there, I might go out the next day or the next tournament and it would be something totally different. And I feel like I'm working harder and striving more to produce a result that's not as good, you know? And it's, and everybody's kind of been there, even if it's just striping it on the range, going onto the course and it's different. It's like, we're always looking at, and we don't understand what are we doing when we actually do it well. Everybody wants to ask the question, what am I doing wrong? But it's like, can you really explain how you're getting into that good mode? And the truth is most people cannot. And even as a coach for years, I had to kind of guess what these players natural tendencies were. And there would be times where I would, you know, not use the line with the ball, use the line of the ball with players, but I didn't really know until we had this system. And now it's just like, it's there, right? You just understand what these players natural tendencies are. And you build on it, and it's just cool to see how much more confident they can go into each performance uh, when they do it, man. It's been a monster year starting to implement this stuff, and um, it's just it's really cool. Yeah, absolutely, because it, streams, it streamlines the process for coaches and for players, right? It, it strips away the guesswork, and it, it's done through a simple assessment process where in just a couple minutes we can key in and determine which of the 16 golf minds you have. And to just put out a little bit about the results, uh, I've worked with a JUCO program, Seminole State College out in Florida. And in five years, we had won uh, two national championships, finished runner-up uh, the la other three years. Last year, we got our season cut short with COVID, or we would have had our third national championship. And these have been with different girls every year, basically, because they're only there for one to two years, and then they go on to bigger programs. And we are implementing these, these changes where we have uh, a base program for the players that we are following as a team, but we're also designing all of their development tracks and all of their performance keys based on their individual hardwiring. And I also work with a friend, Chris Hill, and when we were at Concordia University, we won 18 of 33 events. Uh, we won the first conference championship, and actually the women's program won their first ever golf tournament. Uh, so it was a, a huge time when we were at the Concordia program. I mean, that's over 50% of the tournaments uh, we won. And it isn't because of we're doing anything unique or we have any secrets. We're just teaching the players about themselves. We're teaching them what they do, what they do great, and what their predictable patterns of stress are. And then as they learn these strategies based on their wiring, they're able to make shifts on the course. 
They're able to go on the course with great direction and know specifically what they need to do to get their mind operating effectively. And so the results have been extraordinary. I've helped a lot of players go through Q School. Uh, we're doing great things out on the Corn Ferry Tour. And uh, this is a program for everybody, not just competitive players. So even the weekend warriors can benefit from understanding this, and it's going to give you a competitive edge. And, and lastly, this isn't going to go anywhere. So it's not a question of if you should do it. It's just a matter of how soon. Because this wiring is going to be with you forever. So just like you've learned about your golf swing and, and getting yourself in all these dynamics uh, to be able to get your golf game better, this is one of the things that's going to give you the biggest breakthrough. It's going to help you release the stress from your mind. It's going to help you eliminate some of this fear and consequences on the course and help you to tune in and get into the zone more often. So competitive players and recreational players, everyone can benefit from understanding this. And it'll also know what type of advice or what type of things are going to be best suited for you. So you can find the right type of coaches, the right types of mental books and programs to follow so that you can continue to evolve and progress. Yeah, that's an important note because, you know, if you go onto Amazon and you look at a book, for example, and you go through the reviews, like you're always going to see some sort of negative review. And the reason is because there's a certain type of person that stuff doesn't work for, you know, and, and that's just kind of what it boils down to. And like with your point on, you know, coaches, for example, um, even looking at the tour, I mean, there's coaches that are really great for some people and really not good for others. So you see some decline really quick and some, you know, thrive for a long time. Again, not mentioning any names, but, um, and I'm sure people understand who I'm talking about, but, I mean, you just see that like some guys have success, some don't with certain players. But again, they're out there because they're really good coaches and they really vibe with some people. But again, when you understand this and you understand the language that works for you and the style of drills that work for you, how you should see the golf course, you know, how you should see targets, like all of these things are facets of our personality that we really need to master if you're going to be able to get into that state of calm that everybody's looking for. So again... I did a survey with, I mean, I mentioned this on a podcast before, but I did a survey with a bunch of college teams and just asked a very simple question to all of these really great collegiate players, men and women. So what's your number one uh, performance struggle? And like the biggest answer that came back by far, like number one was nerves and anxiety, basically the, the fear of what's about to happen. Is that kind of some of your experience with some of that too? But that was a pretty overwhelming response. Well, fear and anxiety about what's to happen would link up with what typology would show and mental golf type, which about 80% of the population would be a sensor. And sensing is a type of focus style that focuses on facts and details, things that are practical and concrete. And whenever they get stressed, they do the opposite, which is typically speculating about the future and worrying about what could happen or what's to come. Similar to the example in the story that we started uh, the episode with. He was a censor, and what that advice was invoking was that possibilities, what could happen. And so as they were worrying about anxiety, they're more in the future, whereas you have the other types of players who are more intuitive. Whenever they get stressed, they tend to drag the past. And they tend to deal with a lot more of their mistakes of the past. And so there's a lot of different things that are going on on the golf course like this that can be corrected just simply by understanding how you're wired. And for coaches out there, too, 
you can increase your effectiveness simply by learning to be able to communicate to the wiring of the player. So by taking your message for what you want them to do in their swing or their instruction and communicating it to them in a way that meets how they're wired, it will boost your effectiveness. And so having awareness is, is progress and great success. And once we have awareness of these things and these indicators, it changes our game. And that happens even in our personal life too. I mean, it extends far beyond golf. So even as we have off course issues come up, understanding that people are wired different, we tend to handle situations differently. We tend to appreciate others' gifts and we tend not to take things as personal. And I'll give you a personal example of this real quick for off course. You know, my parents, my mom is, a, is an extremely outgoing person, loves to talk, loves to engage. My father, he's more introverted, but he was running a small business for years. And for many years, he was going and running the business all day. And when he would come home from work, he would just want some downtime. And this is kind of how introverts recharge their batteries or their mental energy. You know, after they've put out energy for a long time, they want to have some private space, rebuild that battery, get their energy up. Where my mother, on the other hand, was the opposite. She was a lot more extroverted in the way she operated, so she liked to talk and engage. And when there wasn't anybody at the house all day, obviously she was getting drained. You know, she was quiet and in herself. So when my dad came home, he wanted to have his private time, and my mom wanted to talk. And there was all these disagreement. You know, why can't you give me some time after you get off work? You, you've interacted with all these people. And he said, you know, why can't you just give me a little bit of break for myself after work so I can just have some downtime? And there was just this natural conflict. Well, we put them through the, the, the assessment process. They figured out their wiring. And I remember seeing both the light bulbs go off and they go, oh, my gosh, you mean this had nothing to do about me? You know, I've been taking this personal all this time, but it's just the way you're wired. And their understanding and awareness of that right away resolved an issue that was going on for many, many years. And so we see this all the time with this system, with better interaction coach to player, better interaction parent to player, parents understanding their student athletes better, players understanding themselves and where their coaches and their parents may be seeing things differently from them and how they can complement and work together. So there's so many dynamics that just understanding how you're wiring and how you're operating and, and the people around you, it really creates a dynamic unit for success, especially for the player. When we can all be communicating the same type of message, when we're all giving them the same type of strategies and saying similar things, it really gives that player a lot of confidence and enables them to go out and be on the right track. All right, John. Well, that's perfect. So, you know, again, we've been teasing at it. We've been hinting at it, but it's it's finally here and we're ready to show you. And as podcast listeners or our Instagram followers, like you're getting the first look at it. So you can go as by the time you hear this, if you go to www.mentalgolftype.com, you're going to have access to the free assessment where you are going to be able to get your mental golf type and really start to understand some of these uh, facets about yourself which is super cool. Um, couple notes, John, I'll let you make just on the process of what that takes. So you can kind of tell what they'll expect when they get to the site. The process of getting your mental golf type is really simple. Basically go to www.mentalgolftype.com, click on take the assessment. From there, you're going to see a series of questions. It just takes a few minutes. They're either or questions. There are no right or wrong answers. There's no trick questions. All you're asked to do is answer honestly and which is most like you. We're looking to determine your natural behaviors. 
After you go through those either or questions, you're going to go to part two, which is really important, which is the verification process. There are a lot of different personality assessments out there, but not everyone verifies. So in this verification process, you are going to get an inside look at what we were looking at and measuring, and you'll have the ability to verify your information so that we get accurate results the first time. And then you're going to have a look at a mini profile that basically breaks down some of your characteristics to make sure we have the right one. From there, you're ready to dive into mental golf type. And you're going to find all kinds of core concepts that are going to help you to go out and immediately improve your golf game. Concepts that will identify what you do right, what to avoid, and strategies to make changes. And this is so important for every golfer. We hope you jump on this opportunity and take advantage right away. Yeah, right, John. And, and also, too, as kind of the first users or first look, we're going to have a bonus training in there for you as well. So you can really start to dive in immediately, understand your concepts. But this is a huge step in really understanding and starting to take mastery of your mental golf type and, and your mental game, because this is where performance is going to lie. And you're going to know exactly what you need to be doing and building to get to that zone state or optimal performance state on a regular basis. It's just um, pretty awesome and we're super excited for you all to see it so do it right now while you're thinking about it go to www.mentalgolftype.com take that free assessment it'll be one of the best things you've ever done and until then we will see you on the next episode and as always we super appreciate you as listeners and thanks again we'll see you soon